Bora mante veleni branda kapa sufre ni batosa. Ambrande ke para nemo shate kapara dose. Imalate ke basumbra de 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 kapara namosha. E kaparu namba denso brande kivara nanto zipaya. Jendo vrene me ki ponte zapala tikaza. E kranga telenina matos vrene metaga. E kaparo sheteva. Paroshka falane pranamato la kibara nosha ela baba 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 bashele delamente inko parane maranamato le neve kaparosati baba 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 bashande brega dele dele dehe ola barada dada dana maraka pale dene mosata ela balana noshka panda bala dekaremente le bosata ya Oh, 
King, you are forever master, forever Lord. We give you praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, my prayer ring family. It is good to see you all. It is always an honor to, to worship alongside you, to just um, be part of what the Spirit of God is doing here every morning. You know, um, last night I had a, or yesterday I had a conversation with someone and it just kind of put in perspective for me all that the Spirit of God has been doing here at Prayer Ring. Like, I just, back to back, having the conversations about, you know, liberty, about truth, about deliverance, and the word of the Lord, and for me, I was just like, my goodness, God has been so, so good to us, like, God has every day richly supplied us so much understanding, so much knowledge, so much revelation here at prayer rain, you know, we, we can't take for granted what happens here every morning, believe me, so much is released, so much is downloaded, you know, in just having this conversation back and forth with this minister, I was like, we've covered so much ground here at Prayer Ring. You know, I know we've been doing it since forever, but this month has been truly significant and the secrets of God have been unlocked and opened here. Um, if I yesterday, I started writing, trying to put together like the things that we have said through several days because there's some things that we have said that are not even in my notes and some of them are so I've just been trying to piece it together I was like if it's some sort of handbook 
if it's some sort of big book, whatever it may be, but, you know, something on doors in the spirit, you know, and I thought this has to be done, you know, because what we don't have is what has been shot to us. What we don't know is what has been veiled to us. You know, what we can't achieve is what we don't know that we can, you know, so the doors are access ways and, you know, just access into the spirit realm. And I'm like, everybody needs to know because the Bible says that people perish for lack of knowledge. So the biggest problem we have here in Christianity is the fact that we don't know. It's not because we are not his people. It's not because we are not his children. It's not because we are not believers. The problem is <clears throat> sometimes we don't know how much to believe in. We know who we believe, but we don't know how much of him to believe in. We don't know the extents, the heights, the depths, the widths, the love, the, 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 the breadth of the love of God. We don't know the full extent of Jesus. You know, so that's why many times we are in captivity, we are in error, we are taken, you know, by the enemy. So, but my prayer is that God will help us, you know, in this season to be able to come into the fullness of all that he wants to do. Um, so this morning, I want us to, we're going to end this with communion. Um, I hope you have your communion items. Remember, um, we spoke about it. Um, yesterday, I told you, grab your communion items. So we're going to end today um, in the next 45 minutes. We're going to end it with communion. And I just feel the need for us to break bread. I mean, we've come so far, we've journeyed so far together. You know, let's just break bread based on the revelation that we have. And then, you know, let the Lord do the rest for us. All right. Um, so yesterday, we began this journey where we're talking about um, gates in the realm of the spirit and you know just opening those gates in the spirit realm and um, I think I stopped in part two because I started with talking to you about what ancient gates were you know and I was telling you about how gates are boundaries between two territories and are usually an indication of possession of space you know um uh, possession of space and I was saying that you know gates open to you you know one realm into the other realm and I need you to think about it really critically and you know so it's very easy to keep hearing the word gates gates and you just think oh yeah we've heard this word several times but the question is what gates are open around you what gates should be shut you know what gates should be flung open how do you maximize this access way? And how do you shut down the voices of gates that have been speaking for generations and um, for years? So, um, and so I began to say, if there are gates that serve as entryways, that means there are also gatekeepers. So I was talking to you guys yesterday about gatekeepers and how gatekeepers are also, because the gate opens into two different realms, the realm of the physical and the realm of the spirit, so that means there are always two gatekeepers at play. The gatekeeper that stands from the spirit realm and the gatekeeper that stands in the physical realm. And I need you to, to hear me very critically because these are the things that will change the lives of people and the destiny of generations. You know, so in the spirit realm, the gatekeeper is always some sort of 
principality, power, ruler, um, or demon that stands there as a witness, you know, to what um, the gate represents, because gates are not just opened until a human being gives access to the gate. And I was teaching you guys that yesterday. And I was saying that as long as God has ceded authority to the, to the children of God, I said, we become the ones or, or to human beings. Human beings have to be involved in the process of the gate opening. And I said that, yes, Satan has stolen the authority that man has, which is the divine authority um, to rule the world. But it doesn't change the fact that the the, the legal tender, the the, the, the yeah, the legal tender, that's the, the what, what you use in trading um, between the spirit realm and the physical realm is humanity. Humanity is like saying you go to, 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 to London and the only thing you can spend is pounds. You go to France and the only thing you can spend is euros. And you go to America, the only thing you can spend is dollars. Within the space of those nations, the only thing that is acceptable as a medium of trade is their currency between the heavens and the earth the only thing that is acceptable as a medium of trade is humanity without a human being involved you cannot effectively carry out any kind of trade you know it doesn't matter if you have um, power. It doesn't matter if, you know, your fathers, 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 fathers have all been kings. But if when it gets to your lineage, if you don't have money in your pockets, all you have is that my grandfather's father's father and my father were all kings. Yes, but what does that amount to? You know, if you don't have, even if you have territories and you cannot sell them to, to for any kind of monetary value, you cannot bring any kind of, you cannot trade. You need to give something. You understand? So in the same way, um, it doesn't matter what, even though Satan has become the God of this cosmos, he has become the God of this world. He has become the God of the culture of this world. Yet without man, he cannot trade effectively in the spirit realm. So I'm saying this to you so that you understand the import of your presence and you understand the import of um, your life here on earth and how critical it is um, for you to be able to give yourself to the things that are right and to remove yourself from the things that are wrong because your presence within a space can keep enacting a covenant or keep a, a particular covenant or a gate or an altar running as long as you remain with that space and you don't shift your position um, from time to time based on the will of God and based on the revelation of God. This is very, very important. You know, so there are some there are gatekeepers into in the two in the two realms. Um, sorry guys, my YouTube is frozen, so I'm not sure if anybody can hear me or see me in real time. So, how is it out on your own end? Are you hearing me right now, or is everybody lagging behind? Okay, all right, great. So somebody just responded to me. Okay, you know, so um, now in, in terms of gatekeepers, there are, there are people who are doing so intentionally, you know, so gatekeepers usually know that um, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing. And so you have gatekeepers in families. You know, I was saying this to you yesterday that there are some keepers in families and their work is to go and keep, um, re, what's the word now? Keep setting altars alive, you know, so usually it's handed down from one person to the next, to the next, to the next within families. And their role is to keep the altar alive so that the altar is consistently speaking. And as long as that altar is consistently speaking, you know, people cannot amount 
to certain things in their lifetime, you know. Um, so some gatekeepers don't even know the full extent of what that gate represents or what that altar represents. All they know is that their father told them this thing, you must do it every day, every week, every month, every year, or, you know, and remember what I was telling you guys yesterday about culture and how it's not necessarily now the rituals that we perform are not necessarily, you know, you cut the, the head of a goat, sprinkle it around, or you, you do this incantation. No, the greatest ritual that anybody can perform, you know, that is potent is culture. It's a way of living, thinking, acting, and, you know, just creating. Culture is the strongest ritual, you know, because what the Bible declares is that we have become his temple. So the sanctuary of God and the altar where sacrifices are offered is now upon the tables of our hearts. In those days, it had to be physical. But you see, even as the Lord transitions his methodology of deliverance, Satan also transitions his methodology of captivity. So you need to understand how it works. So Satan has realized that there is a greater way of making sacrifices that are more potent. And it is when it is made upon the altar of the hearts of people. So Satan understands this and he now realizes that okay the best way for me to get these people to also worship me consistently is if it doesn't look anything like what they are used to but I will make sure they are doing it upon the altar of their hearts. So on a daily basis, some people are slaughtering goats and are slaughtering cows based on the culture and the way that they think, the culture that they uphold. And so that's why I keep saying you must arrive at a place where you are able to fully embrace the mind of Christ, not a mind that was handed down to you, that you have never asked yourself, why did my mother's mother's mother take this position? Where did this culture come from? Remember I said that behind every culture is a spirit and behind every spirit is a kingdom's agenda. So when spirits want to lock their demonic positions into generations and they want to enact that captivity for generation, they lock it into culture. So what began as one person waking up in the morning and based on the spirit's instruction, the spirit, you say, take water, mm, gargle your mouth, spit it out, turn your head to the left, turn your head to the right in the morning. That was the initial instruction that a spirit or a, a, a demonic entity gave to a great grandfather. Then a child should just saw that, oh, every time my father wakes up, he puts water in his mouth, mm, spits it and turns his head. And the child starts to do it. And then a, a grandchild comes and starts to do it. And they're just like, oh, ah, why do you do this? I don't know, it's my dad, he taught me. He just used to do this every morning. But it began originally as a spiritual instruction and passed down three, four generations after it has become a culture. And once it embeds itself in culture, nobody questions it anymore. It then becomes a ritual that is consistently done, that is consistently serving an altar, that is consistently keeping a gate open. So there are conscious gatekeepers and there are unconscious gatekeepers. There are gatekeepers who do it knowingly and there are some gatekeepers who do it unknowingly. So the gatekeepers who do it knowingly are the ones that are still in close communication with the spiritual gatekeeper, the spiritual entity that is um, that is um, reviving or strengthening that altar. But the unconscious ones are the ones that do it just because of culture, but they have never arrived at the place in the spirit when they said to themselves, why? So I was talking to somebody yesterday, I, I said something about, oh, the way that, you know, a particular man treated his wife, and the person was like, why, 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 do, I think, why, why do I keep hearing, oh, you know, a, the man treated her like, or badly. It's like, why do, men, why do men treat their wives badly? And I was like, well, it depends on what you call badly. I said, what I'm evaluating as badly can be another person's best. And I said, I said, you know, 
And the true answer to this question is not one thing. It's not things like, oh, this is how men are, this is how African men are, this is how Yoruba men are. Those things are, those things are very, 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 they're on the low level, mundane level. You understand? And as long as you keep thinking on that level, you will never be able to break loose. You will never be able to come into liberty. Neither can you bring anybody into liberty. What you're doing is you are basically just feeding another generation um, the, the habits and the rituals that keep, them, keep enacting that altar. Because part of the demonic habits and rituals that foil satanic altars is things like complaining, murmuring, um, anger, and fighting, grief, bitterness, all of these things in themselves form strongholds in the spirit realm. And as long as you keep releasing them from the altar of your heart, what you are doing could be synonymous to what in those days people will go and dance over a, a tree or they will light candles and they will bow. This is how you worship now. With with this with this your 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 um with the rituals of your heart and your thinking and your mentality, you know so. That is why God could not take the children of Israel far. So I, I said, you know, th these are just low level because many people still remain on that level. I don't know. This, no, 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 no. Remember what I taught you? It is the glory of a man to overlook a matter. And I said, glory is the word for the weightiness of God's presence. You know, the, the cupboard. And in, in the New Testament, when they said glory, it's also the word um, for opinion, the doxa of God. It is the word for the opinion of God. So it is the glory of a man to be able to enter into God's opinion in a matter. You know, so you don't come into the weight of God. You don't come into the uh, into the power of God. You don't come into God's position in every matter, you know, if you are not able to overlook it. What does it mean? I said, what does it mean to overlook it? It's to literally look over it and to say, oh, you know, so this is what is really going on. So the reason why many of us are not gaining glory, even in our afflictions and in our trials and tribulations, we are not coming into a measure of weight and a measure of capacity. People are not, people look at you and they literally know you're going through something. People are not looking at you and saying, wow, we are shining brighter and brighter. The reason why that is not happening is because we are stuck on the level of complaining and murmuring and crying and feeling and saying, and we have not arrived at the level of overlooking it. It. Because when you overlook it, it is actually a spiritual, technical intelligence, you know, that you are, you, you come into where you begin to see and you note all the matters and you understand how each thing is intertwined to birth what you are going through, you know. So um, uh, I said to the person, I said, listen, it, it's not a, it's not a, an individual chose problem. I said, it's actually a demonic problem. I said, not because the people are possessed. That was my response. I said, not because the people are possessed. I said, but because the people are locked up in captivity to a certain mindset. And I said, you know, it happens and it's happening not just to men, but to women, to, to children, to, to government and to all of that. I said, what began many years ago as, you know, um, as Satan trying to ensure that the woman never rises up into her prophetic destiny because he had it. He was in the garden. When Satan, when God said to the woman and said to him, he said, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent and you shall come after her heel. I don't want to go on into talking about the heel of the woman or the heel of the seed of the woman. Let's just leave that topic first so that we can live here today. But he knows that if there is anyone that is going to bruise his head. And so this, this, this particular promise of God is both um, literal, 
about the seed of the woman is the one that would destroy the head of the serpent in terms of Jesus. Jesus is the seed of the woman and God was very specific. Jesus was not born of a man. So it is the seed that comes from only a woman that will bruise the head of the serpent. And that seed is Jesus. He didn't say the seeds of the woman. He said the seed, it was like a definite seed. There's a particular seed that bruises the head of the serpent. And the head speaks about authority, power, thinking. The head is like the gate of the serpent. And so he says there's something that will come out of the woman that is going to bruise the head, that is going to bruise the gate of the satanic system, which is a system of adversary and captivity. And he says that seed, is, is named Jesus. And we see that seed appearing like 2,000 years later, 3,000 years after the promise was given. So Satan has always come from the woman. And so even though there's that literal Jesus, but there is also um, a dimension of the promise of God that can be birthed out of a woman that has the capacity to scatter the authority and the authority structure of darkness. Please stay with me. I'm not saying that the men, the men don't have it, they do. But remember what I said to you about woman is not a sex. Woman is not a gender. Woman is an office in the spirit realm. And so there is something about when a woman finally arrives at knowing herself past her gender and she enters into the place where she knows herself in her spirit office. When a woman enters into to this place, she's able to offer up the kind of sacrifices that are uniquely hers. She's able to access the unique door of womanhood. And there is something about when a woman accesses that unique door, she is able to, to conceive, she's able to be um, fertilized by the heart of God, by the spirit of God. And what she bets has the capacity to be a gate in the realm of the spirit. So I need you to hear me if you're a woman here today. Don't let any deal deceive you. Do not be drawn into a place where they tell you, well, this was done to you, then you become this. One, one day, I, I, was in so, I was in so much pain and I was thinking, God, I can't, you know, this. and the Lord said to me, be careful. He said, you see, you're going to have to let go of this thing you are feeling. I said, Lord, why? He said, because it's going to birth a new kind of culture in your life and living if you don't let go of it. And he says that culture is going to service a different kind of altar. And you don't want that door to open in your family because if that door opens, because what doors do is that they allow passengers to travel between realms. He says, you're going to allow this door to open and passengers from hell is, are going to travel into your family. And so he said to me, he said, and I said, God, what would that culture look like? He says, it's going to look like different things. Number one, it's going to look like a culture of manipulation. Because when people feel powerless, but at the same time, they want to feel powerful to change things. And they, but yet they know they are powerless to do anything about another person's actions or behaviors. They then enter into manipulation. And God said to me, remember the spirit of manipulation is, is the same and in appearance and in likeness to the spirit of witchcraft. So God said to me, do you want to be a woman or do you want to be a witch? Do you want to be a woman? Or do you want to be a witch? Do you want to be a wife? Or do you want to be a witch? And I said, God forbid me, witch. He said, exactly. He said, shut the door and don't let the spirit of witchcraft enter into your home. Where you then begin to want to use something contrary to submission to God and something contrary to the power of God and something contrary to faith in God. You want to start using another kind of power to manipulate the outcomes in your home. He said, don't, don't let that happen to you. He said, you must remain in the place of the simplicity of heart. 
where it is only the spirit of God that can travel to and fro your being, where it is only the heart of God and only the mind of God, no matter how weak it makes you feel, no matter how powerless it makes you feel, no matter how small it makes you feel. He says, you must never embrace the tools of hell because if you embrace the tools of hell, you can never achieve the agenda of God. You can never use Satan's equipment to achieve God's structure. Impossible. You know, so um, the spirit of God um, began to say to me, um, be, be careful what your rituals are and what your heart is. So I, I said to this person, I said, he, what you, what, you, what you see as, oh, you know, this person not treating or they say, oh, why do they not treat? I said, it's, 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 it's a bondage that has been handed down. So people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm the man. As a man, I can do whatever. As a man, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's actually a demonic captivity. You know, and maybe another day we'll do a whole series on marriage and the power of marriage so that we will understand because at the end of the day, what did Jesus die for? Jesus died so that a marriage could happen. Are you listening to me? And that's why we're going to end with communion today because he said, I'm not going to eat from this um, bread or drink from this cup again until we are united together, until we arrive at the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm not going to eat of this anymore. You need to get it. You need to get it. There is something so significant about the unifying of two coming together. That in itself is one of the most, not one of the most, it's actually the most powerful altar that exists in creation because this was the first one that it was enacted in the beginning. The first one was God with man, the unity of the spirit, soul, and body of man and God coming together in one vessel. And then you take this temple and you merge it with another worship temple and you bring it together. Do you know how powerful that is? Jesus died so that he could be married to us. Jesus gave his life without a second of thinking so that he could be married to us and be our husband and we become his bride. So that tells you what the power of marriage is. So you really think that because remember, Satan did not appear until Genesis 3. But what was the last statement in Genesis 2? And the two were naked and not, Adam knew his wife, and the two were naked and unashamed. Then the chapter 3. And the, 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 the serpent was the most subtle of all the, and, and the serpent. So you see, Satan could have appeared any time before then. When Adam was busy jumping about the garden, naming animals, where was Satan? When Adam was busy moving in his territory and dominion, where was Satan? Why did he come just after the two became one? It is because there is a structure, there is a spiritual structure in the, in the spirit realm that is called the structure of marriage. And it is the entity of marriage and it is the gate of marriage. When this door is open, man take kivasa teledada. The power of God is able to stream through. Like I said, let's leave marriage for today. But we are still on the topic of gates and gatekeepers. So you then realize that a man and a woman is a they are gatekeepers over the dimension and the and the gates and the realm of marriage where it is possible for God to come down. You know the ascending and descending of the host of heaven. That aside, so I said to her, I said, listen, it's just a captivity that has been embedded into generations and this is propagated by culture. I said the moment that a generation is able to rise up and say, why, why, why? Why do I have to tell my wife, shut up, when I'm talking, you don't talk. Why do I have to do X, Y, Z? Why do I need to? Who told me 
find it in scripture. Oh, the Lord says submit. Go back and read submit. Check the Hebrew, check the Greek, check every version of the Bible. Do a thorough search, do a thorough study of what it looks like. What does it look like for the church to be married to Jesus? What, like literally allow the sword of truth to pierce through the darkness. And then when you arrive at that revelation, you would have arrived at the power of God for why you have a partner. You know, so I said, I said, this is not something that can be solved. It's okay. And you said, did not say, I said, no, no, no. It's a, it's a spiritual stronghold. It's a spiritual stronghold. So there are conscious gatekeepers and then there are unconscious gatekeepers. There are, um, there are conscious ones who consistently offer up the sacrifices, but they are the ones who just offer it up through culture. So you want to ask yourself, what kind of gatekeeper am I? And what kind of gatekeeper is existing? over my life. And Lord Jesus, I want you to topple over any kind of gatekeeper that is standing and constantly foiling altars to speak in my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that Lord God, you take it all away. Father, whether it be inside me or it be outside me or it be a structure or it even be an individual, Baba, elekemata suata. In this life, God, but sombre in Gedila Tata, Javrande Kepasukre in Gedele Mekatuske Papale Dikadada. In this life, God, I will fulfill your will for my life. I will come into the fullness of everything that you have for me. I will enter, oh God, into the fullness of your life, your decree, your heart in the name of Jesus. I will not live a limited version of my destiny. I will not live a limited version of my capacity. I will not live a limited version, oh God, of who I'm called to be and what I can be in you. But God, I will come into the fullness of who you are and the fullness of your power and the fullness of your strength and the fullness of your ability in the name of Jesus. I have no part, oh God. I have no um, alliances or no coalition, oh God, with any kind of demonic habits or rituals or mindsets that fuel um, satanic altars, oh God, in my life or around my life in the name of Jesus. I disassociate myself from them. I receive the spirit of truth. I receive the mind of truth. I receive the heart of truth. I am one with God and God is one with me. And my life is daily being converted into the life and the nature of Jesus. And I declare that by the power of the Holy Spirit that I fuel, I fuel, I fuel the altar of God. I fuel the mind of God. I fuel the heart of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody just said, are there good gatekeepers? Yes, of course. 
Absolutely. In fact, as a matter of fact, everything that Satan does, he's trying to replicate and pervert, replicate and create a perverted version of what God has originally created. I mean, somebody like Abraham was a good gatekeeper over the covenant and the promises of God. And God said to Abraham that the reason why God can trust you is because we know that you will have, you will teach your children everything that God has told you. So Abraham could be trusted to be a carrier of the covenant, to be a carrier of the blessing because God knew that he would be an effective gatekeeper. He will be able to transfer it to his children and then teach his children, not just what God has said, but teach them how to teach um, the next generation. So he did, he taught Isaac and Isaac taught Jacob and Jacob obviously taught Joseph because if you look at it, Joseph, Jacob was not with Joseph for many, many years in Egypt, yet Joseph did not forget what the, what the rituals around this altar that he's carried or he's meant to stand over, what it looks like. So when Potiphar's wife says, sleep with him, he said, I cannot do this before God whom I stand. Now, we never heard that God spoke to Joseph in Egypt. We never saw a single time where the Lord came to Joseph in a dream, in a vision. We never saw, the Bible never recorded it. But Joseph was so consistently conscious about the fact that God was with him. God was looking over him. God was present in his actions that it determined Joseph's own manner of behavior while he was in Egypt. So it's obvious that Jacob had instilled it in the mind of Joseph that, listen, you are a carrier of something powerful. You cannot, you cannot afford to break rank. You cannot afford. So Joseph was stewarding an altar and stewarding a covenant. You understand? So absolutely, there are good um, spiritual gatekeepers, you know, that, that carry the covenant of God from generation to generation. And they, you know, they speak over it. And, you know, you have gatekeepers, not just over families. You have them over nations. You know, you have them over certain systems and industries. You have them over generations and dispensations. You know, all, you have all, all of them in different um, different capacities. But let me move quickly. And yesterday we talked about you know, I'm discovering um, ancient gates. And I talked to you about your your response and how your response to a gate is important, um, you know, and how we looked at J Jacob's journey in Genesis 28 when he was going to the house of Laban. And we looked at his response when he realized that, oh, God was in that place and he did not know it. And how he woke up and he was like, you know what, I'm going to erect an altar here to the Lord. You know, um, um, how how it is important to respond the moment you realize, you know, the Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place, and to be able to connect to what you, uh, what you see that, you know, God is in the midst of this, God is in the midst of this place. Listen to me, um, some of you have friends, you have, let's even leave pastor, let's leave ministry alone. Some of you have friends that you know that this one is a carrier of something powerful. This one, it's a carrier or something that comes from the Lord. And this dimension of operation, listen, Father, I, I honor you enough, first of all, that I realize that you are present here. And I realize that this thing, oh God, is a gate, an access way that this person has to a particular dimension of your spirit and a particular dimension of operation in the spirit realm. But not one day have you reason. And the, the day your, your head was lying on a stone and you came to the revelation of that operation in this person's life. Not one day have you risen and poured your oil there and said, wow, you have blessed me so much. Take, oh my goodness, my friend, I can see what you are doing. 
I see the way your ministry is. I, I, not, I'm not talking about what you see on social media, but the day you enter into the knowledge of that operation and you can tell that there's a gate here, you have not risen one day and poured oil on that altar. This thing I'm telling you is very critical, very important. Remember, there are certain things that uphold certain activations. There are certain rituals. And you may say to yourself, ah, PI rituals. Yes, the satanic world has, stole, world has stolen that. But rituals are just a set of activities that are performed by people who have a particular set of beliefs. So the reason why many people are weak and paralyzed is because they don't know the rituals of our faith. Do you understand? They don't know the rituals of our faith. You know, and so when I find Christians that don't know how to serve one another, that don't know how to bless one another, that don't know how to give to one another, I'm like, ah, it will go last. It will not last. You, you cannot remove the rituals of a particular um, belief and think that you can uphold it. Impossible. You cannot uphold the power of it. So when Joseph got up and he was like, my goodness, I, I just, something, I just connected with something here. He was like, please, what, what do I have there? How do we, how, do, how is this done? And then he poured the oil. And the oil, I was explaining to you the value of the oil in those days and how the oil was like almost everything. It was used for light. It was used for the body. It was used for food. It was used for engagement. It was used for so much. But the oil also represents um, the anointing and you could not um, raise an altar in those days without, a, without oil, you know? And I was like, him pouring out his oil was pouring out like his sustenance, his survival, his everything, the most valuable that he had. It is only revelation that bets that. But J Joseph had the appropriate response to it. Now, um, and then I was talking, we started by talking about satanic altars yesterday. And when we opened the topic of satanic altars, we realized that, okay, we need to go into prayer. You know, and we started by looking at satanic altars from Genesis 11, verse 4 to 5, you know, satanic gate. And we're talking about how, you know, it was initiated in that time, how the satanic gates, you know, were open in, in, in how they decided to open it in Babel, you know, and the burning bricks and burning men to make bricks to erect certain structures. But that whole process in itself was not going to erect the structure of God. So um, we talked about five notable um, features of satanic or Asian gates, you know, and how it manifests itself, how it does not always look like what it is. So um, seven foundational steps to take when you're rebuilding um, the gate, when you want to rebuild the true gates of God in your life, when you want to establish the true heart of God in your life. Number one, you need to recognize that the gates are even broken in the first place. This is very, very important because um, many people never ask themselves why. You observe consistent cycles around your life, consistent cycles around your nation. So I can speak really strongly for Nigeria. Our elections are coming up in February and we as Nigerians are sitting back, we as Christians are sitting back and say, oh, well, uh, we people are saying that Obi will win. He cannot win. People are saying Nigeria will be delivered. It will not be delivered. In fact, if Nigeria does not change first, nothing will happen. The people that want to do what they want to do, we do what they want to do. This uh, Nigeria, in fact, the things that are holding up, you are saying it again and again. But can we step back and ask ourselves why? Why can within a particular region, why is the spread of corruption so em embedded within 
the activities, the life, and the culture of the nation. Remember, this is not a political argument. This is a spiritual analysis. That's to tell you that there is a gate of, people don't wake up and start being in a certain way if it is not first empowered in the spirit realm. So there is actually a gatekeeper, a gate and an altar that consistently speaks corruption over the nation, that consistently says honesty, truthfulness, and rightness will be taken away from these people. It is a repetitive co um, conversation in the realm of the spirit. It is almost like they have played it on repeat. So generation to generation, it comes. So we just find a way to amend ourselves under it. Never say, I'm coming out of it, and then I want to know what exactly it is and break it. You know, so um, we have to realize, first of all, that it is a gate that has been um, opened in the spirit realm. Because for you to be, you cannot challenge a thing you don't know. David was always powerful. David was always the one that killed the lion and the bear from the beginning. David was always bound to be the deliverer of Israel from the hand of Goliath. David had capacity, ability, skill, and strategy on how to take down giant systems, on how to take down giant entities um, that come to terrorize. David did it in the wilderness. But if David did not go to the field that day, if he did not know what exactly was coming against Israel, there was nothing he could do about it. So I pray that the Spirit of God will give us all revelation that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope of our calling in Christ Jesus, that we may know, oh God, what it is exactly that we are dealing with and what are your solutions within it, your solutions of hope in Christ Jesus. Father, that we may know, we may know, may we not be people who ignore a matter and think that by ignoring it, it will be, it will be settled. May we not have a spiritual giraffe syndrome where we think by burying our heads in the sun, burying our heads in just worship and burying our heads in church activities, conferences and programs is going to change the reality of what is happening and the reality of altars that exist around us in us, you know, um, through generations, times, nation, national Personalities and locations. But Father, we pray that you give us the ability and the courage to be able to look circumstances in the face and question what needs to be questioned, question principalities, question powers, question of rulers, oh God, that have existed for years. In the name of Jesus, God, we ask that you give us, oh God, the ability to enter into true liberty and not to have just um, little cycles of peace that Satan would allow us to have for a season and return. But God, we pray that in the name of Jesus, that you give us the capacity capacity to sustain peace, to sustain liberty, to sustain grace, to sustain a release in the name of Jesus. That you may know. That you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know in the name of Jesus. A man's deliverance begins from the day that the man can see clearly the activities that are going on around him in the spirit realm. That is the day that his deliverance begins. The second way that you, the second step, I'm going to share just three and then we'll break bread and go. The second step that you can take um, if you want to rebuild or you want to establish um, a true spiritual um, engagement or gaze or altar in the spirit realm is you need to be honest enough to admit that your silence thus far, your inaction or collaboration has probably been part of the reason 
why the brokenness has been in existence for so long. You need to admit. Because you see, um, the Bible was speaking about, um, in I think it was in the book of Numbers, in the book of Numbers or Leviticus, the Lord was speaking about um, the circumstances that will lead to the deliverance, um, to the um, to the captivity of his children. And he, he was saying that, listen, if they keep, um, um, if they keep upholding, you know, idols in their hearts and they do not respect the, the Sabbath and they do not respect his principles and they do not embrace him and, you know, of all, and all of that. And he also said, he also said, and if they do not, it was in Leviticus, and he said, if they do not also acknowledge the sins of their fathers and repent for it. So it was only in this place in the scripture that the Bible makes it clear for us that a generation can repent for the sins of dead men. He says, if they do not also stand and repent for the sins of their fathers and, you know, turn away from it and acknowledge and the penalty that is due them, he says, I God will not deliver them and I will not bring them back to their land. You know, as he says, I will rejoice at the at the Sabbath of the land in the time that they are taken away. God says, even me, I will rejoice at their captivity. So this was what Daniel was talking about when he said, as he observed according, I think it's Daniel 9. And he said that, according, let's, let's look at it, please. Let's just go there. All right, all right, guys. Are you in Daniel 9 now? If you are in Daniel 9, just let me know, P.I. I am there. I am there. Just allow me take you on this journey this morning because the Lord is doing something very major here. Trust me. Trust me, trust me. You are there, are. there are multiple actions that are happening in the spirit realm. As we have been going through this month of prayer, rain. Guess what? How does a baby come to this world? He passes through the gate of the mother. So the evil childbirth is a gate, you know, that permits a child to move from the realm of, in fact, the womb of the woman. Ah, Jesus Christ. The womb of the woman is the first gate because he permits the child to move from the realm of the soul, from the realm of the spirit, because God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you entered into the womb of your mother, already consecrated, you separated it and ordained you. So that means Jeremiah existed fully before he entered the body realm. So the gate of the, the, the womb of the one mother became the gate that the, the, the children are able to pass through to go from the place of their full existence in the spirit and soul realm. And they pass through that gate and they begin to form as body in the womb of a mother. So after they have formed as body in the womb of the mother, body, soul, and spirit, they still need to pass through that gate to be able to enter into this world. That's why if a child dies in the womb, they'll say, ah, he did not come. You don't really, you know it was a child, but you cannot really say you knew the child because you don't know a personality, you don't know the likes, the dislikes. So he didn't pass through that gate. So once he passes through that gate, he then enters into this realm. And you can then say you have held the child, you have observed, you have touched, you have interacted. So what I'm trying to say to you is that this month of September was also a womb month. It's a womb month. I'm telling you the truth. And I did not know that you know, it is the end of September. I'm making a mistake. I've been thinking it's August, but I did not know it's the end of September that you have the Jewish New Year. So it is almost like the womb and birthing month. So God is literally pulling people 
out of previous places and pulling them into, and you know, he's breaking you out of previous captivities and pulling you into places of liberty, kind of like a rebirth going on. And he's telling you, this is what to throw away. This is what to apprehend. This is what to, to break and curse the curse. And this is what to bless the blessing. Do you understand? He's, he, God is reordering and restructuring people's lives. Praise God. Why, why Daniel 9? So let's go there. Um, it says that in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Medes descent who was made ruler over Babylonian, the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. Please, people of God, I need you to understand why I don't joke with the Bible, why I don't joke with scriptures, because the Bible says, um, in, in, in Proverbs, I think. Proverbs 11 from verse 9, it says, With mouths the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Some versions say, Through knowledge the righteous escapes. Now, it is not the unrighteous that escapes through knowledge, it is not the unjust, it is actually the just. Who are we? We are the justified of Christ. We are the ones that have made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's to tell you that you can be righteous and still be in captivity. It says, because it is true knowledge that the righteous escapes. That means you can actually be the justified of God. And yet you still need deliverance because it says through knowledge, the just is delivered. So, but the second part or the flip side of it is you actually cannot be delivered without knowledge. And this is what I've been saying, that there are different kinds of deliverance, but the most powerful deliverance is the deliverance of knowledge, to know, to know, to know the will of God, to know the heart of God, to know the desire of God, to know what is going on in the realm of the spirit and what the Lord has anointed for you. That's the greatest deliverance of the judge. He says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So that means my people prevail and my people um, excel in the presence of knowledge. That's why you must pull yourself away from ritualistic think thinking and ritualistic teachings. Ritualistic teachings that just no life, no spirit, no breath inside of it is going to keep you in bondage. You need revelation. You need understanding. You need wisdom. Stop, stop, stop. I don't want to say anything that will annoy anybody's religious or church sense. But please, you have the responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Your life is your responsibility. Stop trading. Stop sowing. Stop giving. Stop con continuing rituals in dead altars. Make sure you go and find life. Give yourself your time, your money, your living, your sacrifice, your commitment to life. Because the, the just remains in captivity when there's a lack of knowledge and revelation. Believe me. Anyway, let's move on. So in Daniel 9, he says, I, Daniel, I understood by the books. He says that I, Daniel, understood from scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. So there is Daniel uh, referencing another prophet's prophetic word. And he says that the desolation of generation would last 70 years. So he knew that there was a timeline for this desolation. He knew that there was a timeline for this brokenness. Okay, because it is possible that within seven, 
anyway, let's go. So he said, I turned in verse three to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Let me read another version. I don't like this NIV version that I'm reading. In verse 3, he says, um, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth. So to, to, to seek by prayer, prayer that is working alongside um, um, supplication. This is not a prayer class. So maybe later you will look at the different kinds of prayers that exist. He says, and then I did it with fasting and with sackcloth. Sackcloth and ashes in those days were usually a representation of mourning. Was usually a representation that, ah, woe is me. Hey, like my life does scatter. Jesus, is this where I am? Hey, and when you wore sackcloth and ashes, people knew you were mourning because you've arrived at a place where you just found out something or you just knew something and you are taking a position of, you know what, I'm not letting this go. I want to deal with it. You know, so it is a posture that you take. He says, Jesus began to say in Isaiah 58, he says, you know, rend not your heart, not rend not your garments, but rend your heart. So don't, don't tear your shirt, wear sack, the physical sackcloth, but rend your heart. So sackcloth and ashes is where you enter a place where your heart is wearing sackcloth. Your heart is wearing um, is, um, um, some kind of mourning. You know, the Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. So there is a measure of repentance and a change and a turning around of circumstances that comes from godly sorrow. So that's what the sackcloth and ashes represent. It says with fasting, with godly sorrow he says with prayer and with supplication what did he then say he says and i prayed unto the lord my god and made my confession and said oh lord the great and dreadful god keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to and to them that keep his commandments he says keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him so it's not everybody that can wake up and break an altar. It's not everybody that can wake up. And this is part of the reason why he said, but I've done deliverance, I've done deliverance. Because there is a condition. He says he keeps his covenant to them that love him. So you must come into the place where you love the Lord. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the person that has the right to come and say, God, I'm going to shut this door, is somebody who is keeping God's commandments, somebody who loves the Lord, somebody who makes it the point of their life to obey God and to enter into the place where you're like, Father, as you will, as you desire, whatever you want me to change, I will change. So that's the reason why many people are not able to break many things because they are willing to give up the benefits of that demonic altar. I remember I taught you guys that Satan has a reward and promotion system because if he does not have a reward and promotion system nobody will follow him nobody will would allow certain cycles play out in their lives because in as much as you will realize sometimes when you have a moment of awakening you realize that ah there is, there is something at play here that is not good. But after you realize that the next thing, one thing will happen, one contract will come, and I'm like, let's just go. And anyway, the Lord is with me. So it's the reward that makes it impossible for people to go and fight the necessary battle. But you see, the question is, are you willing to love God past the rewards of hell? Are you willing to love God? Judas had a reward, 30 pieces of silver. That was the reward for betraying Christ. So he had to, Satan has to always trade with something. But do you love the Lord enough to say, Jesus, I may not have seen you glorified, 
I may not have seen you powerful. You may never have given me 30 pieces of silver before since I started following you three and a half years ago. But I know that the hand of God is upon your life. I know that you are the son of the living God. So I give up whatever set I want to give to you and I choose to love you by obeying you and following you and giving myself to the vision of God over your life. So it says to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. It says, this is the person that can pray. And we all know that Daniel had done those things. He had loved God consistently. He had kept his windows open towards Jerusalem throughout his time of captivity. He had refused to bulge, to give in to any oppression that Bab Babylon was trying to oppress him with. Even no benefit, he didn't want anything. It's just like, look, I'm here to obey Jesus. So that's why Daniel had the right. And he says in verse five, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. Uh-uh, two things. Iniquity is the propensity to do what is evil. So it is different from sin. Sin is that you have done it, you have taken it from the iniquity in your heart and you have manifested it into an action of going against the order of God. But iniquity is that you have the ability to. Do you understand? So I have seen families where the boys are white beaters. From the grandfather to the father to the, to the, the man to the son, a strong spirit of violence against women. And you now go back and you now realize that maybe it is something that somebody erected or a demon of violence that they made a covenant with. So you cannot know what to break. Now you now realize that every time a child is born to that lineage, he already has the iniquity inside of him the capacity, the ability, because let me tell you, um, consistent worship to a God can change your DNA, can even change the internal makeup of your system. Pa, Papa, Pia, you have come again. Yes, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God does not joke with his word. As long as you keep embracing a certain kind of um, ritualistic, cultural um, um, and mindset and thinking and agreeing to it, you actually mutate into becoming that person. Have you not seen where you can dwell with a certain person for long and then you begin to take out the person's nature and characteristics? And you do you even your, your, your manner of speaking, your manner of thinking, your manner of actions become the same. And it's the same way people come into certain places and they start falling sick. They start, all kinds of things start happening even in their physical bodies. Remember, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, James, and be in health even as your soul prospers. So that means that there is a direct correlation between your body, your soul, and your spirit. So the activities of your soul realm, the activities of your spirit realm can affect the activities of your body. Hear me, stay with me. So you have to then understand that when you close certain gates, you are actually bringing your body into certain deliverances. He now says, we have sinned and we have committed iniquity. Why? Because we never arrived at the point where we questioned what was within. We never arrived at the place where we began to say, ah, ah, why do I think so lowly about people? Why don't I have a heart that is compassionate towards the grieving of people? Why? It means you have committed iniquity. The inherent capacity to do certain things that are contrary to the heart and nature of God. You never gave it up. You never repented for the iniquity in your heart. You only looked at the sin. The sin is the manifestation of iniquity that has bred for long. Do you understand? So it is when iniquity exists, unchecked, unquestioned iniquity, iniquity, now grows to the point where iniquity begins to build structure for sin. So that by the time you commit the sin, you already know how you want to escape, the lie you want to tell, and the way you are going to make people even believe and buy the sin as a new way of action. This is what happens to pastors that actually sin, and they sin consistently. I was saying to someone, someone was saying to me yesterday that, 
why is why is it that you know somebody can uh, you hear that a man of God is sleeping, 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 sleeping with the women in the church, and yet he's continuous. Uh, uh, he comes back to the same thing: the reward and recognition system of Satan. I said, let me tell you how it happens. When they do that, that's when they are growing. They will grow. The church will boom. Please keep playing. The church will boom. It will keep increasing. Why? Because you have to be rewarded for evil so that you can steadily stay on that path. And imagine in your heart that God is not seeing it. And even if God is seeing it, there is grace. Let's not enter the teaching of grace this morning. So you steadily remain on that path because Satan will reward you for it. But also there is a spiritual connection. Because you see, to him that you give yourself to, to him you bind yourself to, you actually become a particular boss on that person's life. So if you bind yourself to a particular kind of woman that actually carries grace, capacity, and carries a certain kind of gifting, you actually bind yourself to it. So people begin to see the manifestation of the good of the seed, but they don't even know the effect of it. Now, because iniquity existed in the heart of that person, and you never one day said, ah, Baba, something is wrong here. Please help me. The way that I'm looking at all the choir mistress and ushers as they are passing, it's not the way I was looking at them the day I said, give your life to Jesus. Even if it takes you 10 years, sackcloth and ashes position of the heart. Ah, I have this ability inside me. My God, deliver me. You don't even give the iniquity any room. God will now begin to show you where it came from. We show you the picture you saw. We show you the minister you saw doing it. We show you the day you watched it and you never came against what you saw. And it just sat somewhere. Remember I was teaching you guys that demonic positions know how to hide. It just sat somewhere in your heart waiting for the day that 10,000 people will come to your church. I say, okay, let's calculate the destruction matrix. Okay, well, how, how many people will he take away from the faith? Okay, okay, okay. If we take him down now, you know, how many people? All right, all right, good time, nice timing. Then that's all, yeah, activate. Then the sleeper cell will just wake up. And from nowhere, you're just like, ah, 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 everybody is looking nice and says, but you did not question it. So iniquity in the heart, you know? So, and um, in answer that, he says, we have seen and we have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgment. Remember what it said in that Levitical scripture. It says, if they would admit their sin and the sins of their fathers and would ad admit that we are deserving of the penalty we have gotten, but Lord, we repent. He says, then I will deliver them and I will return them to their land. Now in verse five and um, verse six, he said, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. We spoke in thy name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. They spoke to our fathers. He says, oh Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. Hey, your face is your identity. You can, you can see somebody's body and don't know who they are if you are not their spouse. You can say, oh, that looks like Naomi Campbell. No, it's P.I. Thank you so much. Yes, me and Naomi Campbell, we have a great resemblance. So, you know, it is until you look at the face, you're able to say, no, actually, it is the woman of God, not Naomi. You know, so your face speaks about your identity, the clarity of who you are. He says, unto us is confusion of faces. We don't know who we are anymore. You know, and it is your identity that determines your actions and determines what you take and what you don't take. Check what I'm saying. It's unto us the confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far. 
through all the countries whither thou has driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Oh Lord, to us belong their confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. So here is Daniel repenting for even the sins of the father. He says to the Lord, our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of our God to walk in his laws and to set before us by his servants, the prophets. It keeps coming up again. He says, yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. Please, is anybody reading? Daniel 9, 11, he says, Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that day. He said, he says they have transgressed thy law, even by departing. He says that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against you. He said, this is how the curse comes in. This is how the generational um, brokenness comes in. Because a generation was tasked with obeying the Lord and staying with the law of, laws of God. Now hear me, ignorance is never a reason why the heavens deliver you from a wrong for a from a brokenness from a curse or from a recurrent cycle of evil ignorance is never a condition so they will not say oh look at them they don't know it's okay let's just liberate them because they don't know no they will give you the knowledge instead heaven will make sure that knowledge comes to you but you will never be excused from the penalty simply because you don't know so um it then said that it says um it says as it is written in the law of moses all this evil, no, 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 no. He says, we have departed, we departed from, we said, therefore the curse is coming upon us. Now the oath that you made is now happening to us. We've taken to captivity, verse 12. And he had confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges and judged us, bringing upon us a great evil for under the whole heaven had not been done as had been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we, made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Please, is anybody here? He says, yet all this evil has come upon us. You are seeing the thing that happened. You are seeing that once the men in your family reach 40 years, they die. You are seeing that no matter what you do business where, you know they work. You people are creative. You people have, you know, um, knowledge. You people know how to build things in your family. You have strength. You can drive this, but you know they ever work. He says, all this evil has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayers before the Lord our God. Can you ask yourself why? At least somebody that is sick will carry themselves to hospital. The average Nigerian has even become a doctor. Once the thing, you just look at somebody, you say, come, open your eye. You do the eye like this, do the eye like this. You say, open your phone, you say, ah, a typhoid. Or you go and buy antibiotics. We have become so skilled at diag diagnosis. Do you understand? Because we have dealt with this captivity over the years. An average Christian knows when it's malaria. You basically say, mm, malaria, they come and they feel them. It's like a spiritual thing is, is coming. So we know when to go and buy coatem, the dosage to take. Why? Because we have become skilled by reason of our captivity. 
So you now go and take what you need for deliverance. But in this verse, um, verse Kilongwe, uh, please remind me of the verse that we are in. Oh, verse thirteen. It says, "As it is written, Lord, this evil has come upon us. Yet we we made not our prayer unto the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities." and understand thy truth. So until a man turns from the iniquity in his heart, he cannot understand the truth of God. That's why I said in the ways that you restore this, or you, you bring the gate of God, is that you need to be honest enough. That's what I said, number two. You need to be honest enough to admit that your silence, your inaction or collaboration has probably been part of the reason why the brokenness still exists. This was what Daniel did. He says, yet we have not turned to prayer. He says, verse 14, therefore have the Lord watched upon the evil. So God is the one that is now standing and say, yes. No, 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 Satan is supposed to be five stroke. Why you give them to me? Well, Satan, it's me, the Lord, that should be merciful on you. My friend, flog them two more. He said, the Lord has watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. So that means the righteousness of God. So there's a dimension of God's righteousness where it involves him bringing penalty for sin. Where it involves him watching over an agreement that he made. Where he said, if you, your fathers, your, your, your grandfathers, the children and the children's children do not repent, this is what will happen. God is obligated to uphold any altar that is raised. The Bible says his throne is built upon righteousness and justice. So without the justice of God, you cannot see the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is the justice system of God. So it is a righteous thing for God to do what is just. I hope somebody is getting liberated this morning. He says, um, therefore, the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O oh Lord our God, can you see prayer? See prayer. See quality prayer. Prayer XRO. Prayer that used to liberate generations and nations. It's not made up. Okay, after you don't shout, wait till you do. There is a place where you pray in the Holy Ghost, and there is a place where you pray in your understanding. Because you actually, in your, when you are praying, you understand, you bring the totality of yourself. So when you have prayed in the spirit, the spirit is like taking you, taking you, you're moving here, you're moving there, you're moving, bam. Then praying in the Holy Ghost makes you locate what needs to be done. After you've located it, then you enter your understanding. From the energy, the revelation, and the knowledge that is generated from praying in the Holy Ghost, you now begin to pray accurate prayers of your understanding. You begin to arrange the prayer. See, quality prayer. This guy was praying, oh, he wasn't preaching a sermon. This was a prayer. He was dissecting and moving it from the fathers, taking the laws of God, saying these were the precepts that you set, yet we did not obey it. Father, I also perceive in my heart that part of our problem is that there was iniquity. He was talking to God, engaging God at the same time. He's engaging God. He's engaging the hosts of heaven. He's engaging altars. He's engaging kings. He's engaging the forefathers. Can they tell them when one man begins becomes a, a platform of engagement of multiple dimensions, when you are praying that different things are moving around, all the gods are shaking because they are like, what a man has risen in knowledge. What do we do? You are challenging things from 50, 100, 400 years before. Then you are going into the future to establish and to plant righteousness as a seed in three generations to come. 
see prayer. Melendo mikakasa. Sangrume tile kite lima karuske papala. I pray that God indeed will teach you work. He will teach you the craftsmanship of intercession. He will teach you the craftsmanship of supplication. So that when you enter, you know how to carry the word of the Lord, to inject it into situations and to birth revelation. And then you begin to plot spiritual graphs. When you finish, you know that something has been taken down. A great God has fallen. He says, therefore, had the Lord what upon it. He said, now, oh God, verse 15. Oh Lord our God, that thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten three and has gotten thee renowned as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. He says, we have done wickedly. Meanwhile, they were the ones in captivity. They were the ones that were taken. He did not sit there saying, God, why is this happening to us, Jesus? We can't take this. We can't take this captivity anymore. It's like, uh-uh, stop this K-drama. Let's stop these things we're doing. This is not E-Channel. This is not Telemundo. This is spiritual work. He said, God, let's call it what it is. By our inability to address the obvious brokenness, we have done wickedly. Remember, ah, maybe one day I will talk to you about the true meaning of wickedness before the eyes of God. He says, we have done wickedly. We have not attended to producing and reproducing the good of God in every generation. He says, this is a wicked thing before your eyes now. He now said that, um, I know we have to go to church. Even though this is church, oh, this is serious church we're having, but let me end it so that we can attend to our rituals. Um, he says, <coughs> he says, um, it says, and I've got it with now, verse 15, and we have sinned and have done wickedly. Oh Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem. Where was he? Babylon. What was he praying for? Jerusalem, the promise of God, the promised land of God. He says, thy holy mountain, because for our sins, huh, the gate of location. He says, turn away from Jerusalem, which is thy holy mountain. Jerusalem was a physical location on the earth. But he says it's that holy mountain. So that's why some of you, we will take back some lands because there are some lands that are gateways to certain places in God. He says, for because of us, for our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O God, hear the prayer of thy saints and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Oh God, incline thy ears and hear. Open thy eyes and behold our desolation and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercy. He says, this prayer now is not about us because all of a sudden I see the connection between my liberty and the liberty of the heavens and the earth. I see the connection between my standing up in the full stature of God and the ability of the kingdom to stand on its feet. He says, this is not about me anymore. He says, uh, verse 20, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being cursed to fly swiftly, 
touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give this skill and what? Understanding. If you are your heart, shout skill and understanding. <laughs> shout in skill and understanding. The angel did not come and say, no, I'm giving you a bottle of anointing oil. Daniel, sprinkle this oil anywhere, anyhow. No, he said, I've come to give you skill and understanding. Put your hand on your head. Aleko Zevehi. Man, 2K, 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 Takata Kali, Kete Kele Mesanta. The gate of my life, the gate of my spirit, the gate of my soul, the gate of my body. Open up to Jesus. My mind, open up to Jesus. My spirit, open up to Jesus. Even as you said in Matthew 16, you said, Simon Bajona, blessed are you. Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Holy Ghost, I open up myself to you. Because who can know the heart of the Father in heaven except the Spirit of the Father? But you have been given unto me, Holy Spirit. You are inside of me. Please, but not be so close and yet so far. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to see you. Give me skill and give me knowledge. Give me the revelation. You said, Simon Bajona, because of this revelation, you will have the ability to be a gate system. You will have the ability to be a gate structure. You will have the skill of gates, the skill of warfare, the skill of contention, the skill of liberation, the skill of apprehending the heart of God for cities and for nations. Oh, because of this rock of knowledge, because of this rock of revelation, something is happening to you. But by I will no longer be stuck, oh God, in the deceit of hell. I will not be stuck, oh God, in the deception of the satanic realm. Baba, I break from my head any yoke of deception. I break from my head every demonic peace that Satan wants to release over me. I will not be sleeping in a boat that is about to capsize. Baba, open my eyes, cause me to see. Baba, put inside of me a zeal to obey you, a zeal to purge myself of the iniquities of my father's house, of the iniquities of my nation, the iniquities of my generation. My God, if there is a man huh, that you will walk with in liberty, Baba, let that man be me. Huh. If there is a man, oh God, huh, by whom you will break the curse, huh, Baba, break it from me. Huh. The effect, oh God, huh, of transgressing against your will, huh. the effect, oh God, huh, of transgressing against your word, huh. Baba, it will not be my portion Put inside of me, oh God, a desire to obey you. Put inside of me, oh God, a new nature, a new set of rituals, a new culture of obedience to God. Give me the ability to seek you first above all things, to seek your opinion, to seek your way, to seek your heart, oh God, above all things. So I open up myself to revelation. Oh, oh, Jesus. Open up my spirit. Open up. I am with the Father. Open up. 
no boundaries, no limits, open up, let deep call unto thee, open up, channels of my spirit, open up, I am with the Father, open up, no boundaries, no limits, open up, let him call unto thee, open up, oh, we say, channels of my spirit, open up, I am the Father, open up, no boundaries, no limits, open up, let them call unto thee, open up, let the river flow, 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 let the river flow. This morning, I want you to go on your knees and pray. Daniel said, the moment I understood that the reason why this captivity is still holding on, the reason why we are in this bondage, the reason why my family is in this bondage, the reason why my nation is in this bondage, the reason why my generation is in this bondage is because no man has stood in the gap. The heart of no man has burned enough by reason of knowledge to cry out for deliverance. He says, the moment I understood, I went into prayer and I began to repent. Go on your knees today because you see, it must end here. The new day shall be born here. Go on your knees and begin to repent like Daniel did in Daniel 9. Be, be reading it and be repenting as he did. He said, God, I realize that by reason of the gates that my forefathers opened to disobedience, the forefathers over my nation, the forefathers over my generation, by reason of the demonic altars that they sacrificed to, the children they killed, the gifts that they gave to strange gods, they open gates over my life, over my husband's life, over my children by reason of what they sacrificed in this nation. So long I have gone on, Lord, and I have not challenged it. I have not repented for it, Lord. I am sorry. Have mercy. This morning, God, I repent. I repent, Lord Jesus. Father, you are a righteous God. You are a God of justice. The fact that you have allowed me to continue, it is because that is who you are. You preserve, oh God, justice from generation to generation. And this is what makes you righteous. But God, today, 
Look upon the righteousness in the blood of Jesus. You said if any man we hear knowledge in his heart and believe, and we confess in his mouth that what he wants is Jesus, then salvation will come. Baba, let salvation come to my family. Let salvation come to my husband's family. Let salvation come, oh God, to my children. Let salvation come to my nation. Let salvation come to Africa. Let salvation come to this world, to this generation. Father, because today, all of us on prayer rate, we are on our knees, God. We are saying, Father, that we have had enough, but not for our name's sake, for kingdom's sake. We are tired of saying, why is the church powerless? We are tired of saying, why are pastors like this? God is not about them. It's about each one of us. Father, for your sake, oh God, for the sake of Jerusalem, for the sake of Zion, your holy hill, for the sake of the church which Jesus died for, hear us today and forgive us for the iniquity and the misplacement of understanding that we have preserved in our hearts. Forgive us for not searching. Forgive us for not doing what is necessary. Forgive me for looking at patterns and yet thinking that my children will escape it without doing the right thing. Forgive me, God. Forgive us, Lord, and have mercy on us. Let this be our day of deliverance, Father. Send us your angels from heaven. God, today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask, forgive us. You said if a generation will rise up and will say, forgive us, we repent for the sins of the fathers and the sins of the children, that you will hear them, you will deliver them, and you will take them back to their land. God, we are that generation. Forgive us. Ask the Lord for forgiveness, even for your nation, the sins of the founding fathers of your nation. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the altars that were raised before Christianity came to Nigeria. Forgive us, Lord, have mercy. Forgive us, Jesus, for the colonial altars that were raised. The altars that were raised, oh God, where we moved from physical slave trade. And the altars that were now raised where we became slaves to the culture, slaves to the mentality, slaves to captivity of another land. Have mercy. Have mercy that we never arose, oh God to say we are sorry for not fighting. When we came to knowledge, we should have contended. Baba, have mercy. You said because of this, the curse continued and you continued in the oath that was made for God. Did you not say that the blood of Jesus, it speaks, it speaks, it speaks, it enacts a new covenant and it speaks of better things than the penalty for the previous blood. But the blood of Jesus must be engaged. So today we engage the blood in knowledge and in the skill of prayer. Father, have mercy on us and liberate us. In the place of whatever was established, we now establish the altar of truth. We establish the altar of the speaking of the blood. Father, we ask that from this day forward, let there be liberation that comes to us. Let us walk in the power of the liberation of the blood. We receive it. We stand in it. Give us the grace to stand in it. Give us the grace to consistently speak concerning this liberation. 
Father, we receive it. Help us to teach our children and our children's children. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for what you have done today, for what you will keep doing in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I want you to take your communion items now. Of Jesus, what can make me whole again? Nothing by the blood of Jesus, oh precious, oh precious, is that flow Jesus was crucified. The Bible says that in that same day, the Lord took the bread and when he had given it thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Saying, take and eat, this is my body. So Jesus, we take the bread and we thank you for it. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his body that was beaten for my sake. We thank you because his skin was ripped from his bones. We thank you because his flesh was battered. So that we would no longer have to go through the battering of hell. So that the gates of heaven would not have to be shut to us. Thank you for giving me the keys to your death. Thank you, Jesus. He said to them, take it and eat. For this is my body. Take the bread and we eat it, Jesus. The Bible says, let he that eat it not eat it unworthy. That means it is the manner in which you eat that makes it unworthy. So eat it in revelation and in knowledge. This is the manner that you eat it in worthily. Jesus, we eat this, Lord, because right here, right now, in our worship and prayer, it's the altar, it is the gate of heaven. So at this altar, Lord Jesus, at the altar of the blood, we eat and we participate in the covenant of life that is in Jesus. Amen. It says that he took the cup 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, you said that this blood is a covenant. This blood annuls every other covenant. We drink it, oh God, thanking you for giving us your blood. For giving us your blood by which we can ask, access God. And then it takes away every other transgression, sin. Thank you because this blood is doing a purging both in us and in our children's children. In Jesus' name, amen. Holy Spirit. Father, we bless you for the things you have done here this morning. Lord, we vow to continue to establish through knowledge that which you have released over us this morning. And as we keep doing this, Lord, we know that you will release upon us the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth, and the power behind the altar in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. There's a part of one of T.Y.'s song <coughs> that I think is very profound. Um, it says, But our fathers and mothers could only foretaste is now in our lifetime the order of day you know um I hope you can hear this song. It is to see.
Their dreams are blazing. His spirit is moving. He's breaking addiction. He's breaking that song let that be the song you play throughout today it's a song by ty bello some people have put it on the chat it's called amen amen on ty bello's album we are fire we are fire is on itunes it says what our fathers and mothers could only foretaste is now in our lifetime the order of day ah what our fathers and mothers could only foretaste the things that they thought, if I do this, I will get this. They received but, but a, a taste of it. And they thought, surely this is it. They said, but now in our lifetime, it has become the order of day. I look at it in both ways. What our fathers and mothers could only foretell by reason of some demonic things they did or by reason of some godly righteous things they did and prayed for. He says, it was but a foretaste. He says, but now what was a foretaste has now become our new tradition, our new religion, it has become the order of the day. Liberty has become our culture. Freedom has become our culture. Now, this is where the spirit of God has taken us to by reason of the prayers we have prayed and by reason of the things we have entered into. And I know that God is not done. Please, my keyboard is my media guy. Don't faint, don't die. We'll find another solution. But this prayer really is not ending today. I was going to end it today, to be honest. But after praying yesterday, I was just like, I'm ending it in the flesh. I'm ending it because I don't tire to wake up at a certain time. Or oh, that, oh God, how will it work? How will it work? It's not ending. Even if it means we'll put this with your guy, this keyboard, this inside hotel, send the money. Tell me, Pierre, this is what we are going to do. This is how we'll solve this problem. But whatever we have to do, we have to do it. You know, we have to finish what we have started. We have to complete what we have started because God is doing something. You understand? God is doing something. So, ah, God bless you. Go to church. Okay? <laughs> God bless you. I'm preaching at Ecclesia Hills this morning. And um, if you are in Lagos, come. Let us fellowship together. I'm teaching about the gate of dominion. <clears throat> this morning, God is always revealing new things. Um, if you are outside Nigeria or outside Lagos, watch it online. Um, at Ecclesia Hills YouTube channel. Let us finish what we started to the glory of God and make sure that from tomorrow, everybody today, if I join this YouTube tomorrow, I don't see 400 people. I will not teach. Go and gather your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, your frenemies, and your sure enemies. Gather them and tell them, come, let us come and hear the word of the Lord. Let us come and hear what the spirit of God is saying. 
this gate, perhaps if we enter it together, we will not be enemies again. Send it out to people. Put it on your social media, your Instagram. I'm not looking for publicity. If you know me very well, you know that too many people will know me based on my personal head disposition. I don't like to talk too much. I don't like to do plenty of phone calls. I'm, and it's mistaken for pride, but that's who I am. If I had my way, I'd be an introvert. So that's not what I'm looking for. I actually want that more people will be saved. More people will come into revelation. More people will come into knowledge and skill in the spirit. So push it out. Tell them, remember, I will wake you up in the morning. Do it. One will put a flight at 1,000, but two, 10,000. Imagine if you gather the seven people in your house, how many will you put a flight? Almost 7 million. So gather the strength of numbers. Remember, I taught you guys that one in, in, when I taught you about power and how one of the meanings of exousia is strength in numbers. So let's gather people and say, wake up, five thirty. stay on that place. If you are sleeping, be sleeping, but open your eye every now and then, but let us do this together. And God continue to bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I keep encouraging you, strengthening what we are doing in POI. It's not good that I will pray, I will fast, I will study, I will look for the word of the Lord, I will preach, I will lead you, and then also I will go and be looking for money. It's not good. It's not good. Pierre, why are you saying this? This is supposed to be, no, listen, you are my church members. I don't have any physical structure. I don't have anywhere. This is my church that I attend. Do you understand? It's not good. It's not right according to the order of God that the minister should do that. Do you understand? So let's not break any protocol in the spirit anymore. Empower. We're going to South Africa. We are going to be spending thousands of dollars. I'm not joking. Thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to be able to follow God's command. And it's not a vacation. It's a spiritual work of breaking the heart of God into our continent. Partner with it and say, Pierre, how much do you need? Here is $20,000. Here is forty. dollars Here is fifty. Give to it. If you don't give, nothing will happen to you. Do you understand? You won't die. Nothing will happen to you. You will still be blessed by God. But if you give, ah, it is better. Do you understand? It is better to partner. Your leg may not go, but let your spirit partner with it. So it is not right. If you would trust me to teach you the spiritual things that I write, also let me tell you this protocol of giving. It is not right. Don't let any, if I just tell me, I don't talk again. This thing, don't mention it again. Or it's okay. I know somebody that will bring $50,000. I know somebody that will give $100,000. Don't say it again, P.I. It's okay. Do you understand? Just make it happen. Make it easy for the work to be done. It's not right. The burden is too much. And don't ever let me get into disobedience because I cannot fulfill by reason. This is a small thing for us to do. I know it's a small thing. So I want to trust you guys. Can I trust you to make this journey with me, to carry this burden that we're going to do in October, to carry it with me? I want to believe I can trust you all on that level of partnership. So please, let's do it. And may the victories that we attain also be your victories. May the blessings that come by reason of this effort of faith, let it also be your blessings. And may it also be recorded concerning you that you were part of the people who gave to make it happen. Let it be recorded towards you in Jesus' name. I don't have the ability to reward a man, but God does. And may he reward you in the name of our Lord Jesus. God bless you. Let's come back here tomorrow, fired up, 
fired up. You see this gate, we will enter it until we ourselves will become gates after September. I told you guys, the things that will happen to you after September, if you persevere, you will see what will happen to you after this month because you are building spiritual structure. You understand? God bless you. And I will see you soon. Have a lovely day. Go to church, go to church, go to church.